This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 184 for August 2023, with Alan Nelson on Regeneration. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 184 for August 2023. Alan Nelson is pastor of Providence Baptist Church in Perryville, Arkansas. He's also the author of Before the Throne, Reflections on God's Holiness, From Death to Life, How Salvation Works, and A Change of Heart, Understanding Regeneration and Why It Matters. He also writes for Things Above, which is a Christian group blog dedicated to missions, evangelism, theology, and sports which is at thingsabove.us. In addition to Things Above, he has some articles up at Founders Ministries as well. He returns this month to discuss regeneration, which is not only the subject of his latest book, but is a great follow-up to his most recent show that he did with us a year and a half ago on Effectual Calling. Video of this episode is available at YouTube, Rumble, the Echozoe Locals page, and embedded on in the show notes, for this episode at echozoe.com slash 184. At that page, you'll also find an outline of the discussion, a list of scriptures referenced during this discussion, additional resources, and related episodes from the Echo Zoe archives. If you missed last month's episode, be sure to check it out. I had it scheduled to post on July 17th, but for some reason it never posted. I didn't catch it until August 9th, Though if you listen via the Christian podcast community, you probably heard the show as it posted there without any issues. And finally, as you'll hear later in the show, Alan has offered up two copies of his book to listeners. If you'd like a copy, retweet the notification for this show and leave a comment on the tweet for the show, or just quote tweet it and then do two birds and one stone. On September 1st, I'll pick two retweeters and Alan will send out a copy to each. Another way to get a copy is to be a supporter on Locals. Alan has given me his blessing to put the PDF version of the book that I got uh, behind the paywall at the, the Locals page. So there's two ways to get behind the Locals paywall. The first is to be a supporter for $2 a month or more if you wish. $2 is uh, as low as Locals will let me go. Or use the promo code that's in the pinned comment at echozoe.locals.com and that'll get you a free month and you have my blessing to keep doing that as much as locals will allow. Supporters get access to the book that we'll have in PDF func- uh, format, but you'll also get access to all of the resources that would have otherwise been in the now defunct Echo Zoe Ministries store. So we've got copies of Jerusalem's King, The Conquest, and some other things like the Lessons in Logic that I taught years ago that I used to have in the store are now behind the locals' paywall. With that, here's my discussion with Alan. 
Alan, it's been uh, a year and a half, but uh, you're, you were on for the third episode a year and a half ago, and you're back for number four with me. Glad to have you. Yeah, it's a delight to be here. I think the last time I was on, we were talking about uh, the pond or the lake near your house was frozen. It's not frozen. Uh, it's not no, frozen it's now. not frozen now. No, it's it's uh, it's funny you say pond or lake because they call it a lake. The city okay. taxes us as though we live on a lake, yeah. <laughs> but it's a big pond. It really is. Yeah, but it's like thirty acres, thirty-two acres, something like that. Well, and we've been really dry lately, so the the water's gone down. So I think the acreage actually shrinked a little bit. <laughs> but in Arkansas, August is one of the hottest months. It's it's been hot here, brother. It's been hot here too. Um, the last week or so has been pleasant. We've been in the upper seventies yeah. and low eighties, but we've been having some hot ninety degree weeks. So hot here is one hundred nineteen heat index. Oh, heat index. <laughs> I'm not even going on heat. heat it's it's like a, it was like a, a, we had a few days in a row. It was over a hundred. The humidity was so bad. The heat index drove up. Uh, oh. went up. I mean, it, it was, it was pretty rough. So we don't get, I mean, we'll hit hundreds and we don't have usually a lot of hundred days. I don't yeah. know that we've gotten a hundred this year yet. The biggest thing is that we haven't got a ton of rain. Yeah. It's been really dry here. That's the opposite here. We've had one of the wettest summers I can remember. Oh. So my, my boys have a mowing job and they've been complaining. They're like, we're having to mow every day. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. Because, <laughs> That's uh, a good problem. To have. Jobs. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that not only is it dry here, but where I live, there's like this little spot where when we do get storms come through, they like split and go around <laughs> where we live. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on the other side of my suburb here just torrential downpour and i come home and there's like a quarter of an inch in the rain gauge yeah wow so so last time you were on we did effectual calling yes sir and you had mentioned during the discussion that you were working on this book on regeneration and um i didn't write the book down i read the book (laughs) i see it uh under a change of heart, understanding regeneration and why it matters. Yes, sir. Um, you sent me a copy. It was a great book. And it's, uh, it, the regeneration, I think it was really cool. You mentioned it when we were talking of actual calling, it's really kind of the flip side of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the 1689, for example, that's, that's our confession of faith here it actually doesn't even mention regeneration. It, it really just mentions effectual calling. And if, if you will, I I think I'm okay to say it this way. You know, regeneration is, is ultimately that, um, in result of effectual calling. If, if you want to tease it out just a little bit, you know, the being effectually called and regeneration, you know, it's happening simultaneously in time. But if you were going to kind of, tease it out, I guess, in the, in the auto salutis. Yeah. Where would you put it? Like which one comes before the other on the auto salutis? Yeah. I would say if the effectual drawing is, is what happens first okay. in the auto salutis leading to regeneration. But, you know, I mean, um, for example, the 1689 says that 
in God's appointed and acceptable time. He's pleased to call effectually by his word and spirit those he's predestined in life. He calls them out of their natural state of sin and death to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. He enlightens their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. So like, like really, you know, take, it's almost like maybe you put, you even put regeneration inside there, you know? Um, but I would put effectual calling, not regeneration leads to effectual calling, he, but rather he calls you first, then he regenerates you. Yeah. Logically, yeah, like, logically speaking, logically not, speaking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Okay. All right. Well, um, well, I, I don't, I never know. Like I like talking about books yeah, and as a big attitude change in me too, I want to say, and I think it's a positive one. I used to kind of have this, like, I don't know if I want to do books, but, um, the, the way I changed my motivation and attitude on it is I've always had the attitude that I don't want my guests to do homework just to come talk to me. Yeah. And so you already did the homework when you read the book. I mean, that's a lot of homework. <laughs> So that's why I decided, you know, it make, doesn't make sense to me that I'm kind of, uh, you know, I would do them, but I, I didn't necessarily jump on it. Yeah. And now I'm more like, no, I, I do like the books because it, you've done a lot. I mean, just any book, I mean, you've done a lot of homework and really gotten into a subject to, in order to write the book. And so it really helps me with that other part of things that I've always liked where I just want you to come in and talk with about stuff you've already done the homework on yeah so but the the challenge i have sorry to interrupt uh, no and and feel free to like tell me hey look i'm the guest let me talk because i do (laughs) sometimes have a problem with talking over guests but um i i i i want people i want to tease it somewhat you know because i want people to read the book too so i'm going to kind of let you decide how much we talk about because this is a deep and rich doctrine but where would you start when it comes to regeneration yeah i i was just going to mention so i wanted to just start talking about like like how we got here you know how i Mm -hmm. got to this book so we uh my first book was from death to life Mm -hmm. how salvation works and it really came out of you know the question I was preaching like, you know, pray, you know, say by prayer, prayer or whatever. And so people were like, okay, but how does it work? And so we, that's where that book came from. But this book is a deeper dive specifically into the doctrine of regeneration and, and why we need to get it right and how this doctrine affects other doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because doctrine is like a, a, a shirt. You can't just pull on one thread and it not affect everything else. Yeah. You know? There's, Obviously, there's more major threads and minor threads where someone can be wrong over here and maybe it doesn't affect over here as much. But regeneration is not one of those threads. You know, it, it, it really matters. Uh, all doctrine matters, of course. But in, in what happened is then in COVID in 2020, our, shirt, our church for about maybe eight weeks or so, we shut down. Mm-hmm. And we've since, you know, I've actually since publicly repented. I, uh, I, I didn't make great decisions in that, but that's not for this episode. What yeah. I'm trying to say is we, we, on Wednesday nights, I needed something to teach. Like we were trying to live stream everything. So mm-hmm. on Wednesday nights, I was like, well, what I'm going to teach. And I was like, well, you know what? I want to teach, I want to do a deep dive into the doctrine of regeneration. And so I started teaching it. And when I 
started teaching it, I was like, you know, I really want to put this into writing. And so that was back in 2020. And, and that's really how this started. And uh, so I put it into writing and we um, and then here we are in 2023. It was it was finally published in April. So it was about three years worth of work. But but really what what I want the church to understand is is, first of all, what regeneration is. And then secondly, OK, how does this tie in to some of the other major aspects of Christian doctrine and and Christian life? So anyway, I, I didn't really answer a question about dealing with anything yet, but it kind of lets you know and you're listening. No, that's, this that's, is how we got here. Yeah, that's great. No. And I and then I was just kind of revisiting just briefly a little bit about our last episode. When we did effectual calling and I think that one was inspired by a a Twitter conversation you were having and, uh, and, and then it fit well cause you were working on the book at the time. Yeah, that's right. That's so, right. So where would you start on the, on the doctrine of regeneration? I mean, this well, is, I, yeah, I, I've got the book in, in the book. I, I just kind of lay out, I, I just kind of start out and I don't really, I mean, I hope, hope your, uh, listeners, are edified by our conversation. I hope some of them may want to pick, pick up the book. They can, the best place is freegracepress.com. Uh, and also we had, you know, talked about giving a book away. And uh, mm-hmm. so I hope people are edified, but maybe uh, by actually getting the book, but if they only listen to the conversation, that's fine too. Yeah. Uh, so where I start at in the book is really doing a little bit of uh, family history uh, just kind of walking through, uh, really to just kind of give a summary, this doctrine of regeneration has been disputed and, you know, everybody understands you need to be born again, but how this happens is, is the dispute. I mean, no one denies, yeah. you know, Jesus says you must be born again. No one says, no, he that you don't have to be born again. You know, Pelagius. Right. Though, I was going to say, you got the whole well, Augustinian versus Pelagian yeah. or the Arminian versus Calvinist, you know, those discussions yeah. really are where this That's has right. its root. That's right. And it's, and it's, so it's, it's been a long debate. So I kind of walked through that, but I tried to establish that really this uh, Pelagianism that's kind of revived by Wesley in a sense and prevenient grace, and then just mm-hmm. really rampant with charles finney yeah has has really served not to the betterment of the church but to its detriment basically the idea that that we are the determining factor in regeneration Mm -hmm. and so just kind of laying that out historically and then and then get into biblically why the the biblical case for really monergism if your listeners are familiar that term meaning yeah i like that term myself i was just yeah. talking to a friend about that a few weeks ago uh how about how i you know i'm not a big i'm a calvinist but i don't i'm not a big fan of the term because yeah depending on where someone's theology is it, it kind of just puts a barrier up when you say i'm a sure. calvinist but if you say i'm a monergist easy for me to say if you say I'm a monergist, that doesn't put up a wall. That says, oh, what do you mean by that? What yeah. What is monergism? Yeah. So what is monergism? Well, it comes from two Greek words, uh, alone, uh, monos and, and uh, ergon. So um, 
it just ergon's where we get words like you know energy and stuff like that it just means uh work i mean work mm -hmm. so monergism god's work alone that is juxtaposed to to synergism which syn is uh with so you're talking about synergism is god works with us to bring about our regeneration monergism god works alone to bring about our regeneration and if you put it that way i'm i'm with you i think though actually i think those are are really good terms i think they put those who uh deny god's sovereignty and salvation kind of puts them on their heels if you will because you have to decide okay is god's grace i've heard uh, james white say it this way is god's grace sufficient meaning even the roman catholics are going to say we need God's grace. No, everybody says we need God's grace. I mean, mm -hmm. in essence, except yeah. I guess Pelagius, but <laughs> we need, we need God's grace. Well, you bring that up. Well, I mean, I, sometimes I like to just bring it down to the simple level to a, sure. like a new Christian level. So yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but can no, we take ahead. just a, a, a moment to talk about Pelagius versus Augustine? Like who was yeah. Pelagius and what was that controversy? The, the, Pelagian Augustinian controversy is in the fifth century. And basically, um, uh, Augustine is saying that we need God's grace, you know, to fulfill the things that God calls us to fulfill. I like, we can't do his commands apart from his grace. Mm -hmm. And Pelagius is, you know, mad about that no no you know it's a series of letters and stuff but but basically uh pelagius is essentially saying we have within us all that we need to do what god says and uh augustine's like no and and pelagianism is ultimately condemned as a heresy out and out Pelag because it denies the necessity of the grace of god but what you have later and, and even really today some would articulate um what, what you call semi-Pelagianism. Mm -hmm. And that is, well, we do some things, but also we have God's grace and we kind of work together. And so that's not officially a heresy, but in my opinion, and basically what I deal with in the book, it's, it's a very dangerous understanding, you know, and it, it denies the sufficiency of the grace of God. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the Arminian or the non-Calvinist or whatever word you want to use, the Finney, the Finneyite, I don't know if that's a word, <laughs> but yeah, whatever, would, would say, yeah, we need grace. Amen. You're, you're only saved by grace alone. But it almost sounds like the Mormon teaching, is, I think it's like Nephi 2.25 or something like that. Which says, <laughs> which, which, sorry, I'm just like, like I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I just like... When it comes to like the scriptures, I'm good at remembering scriptures, but I don't remember where to find them necessarily. Yeah. And here you've got like this heretical book and you're like, oh, it's, you know, <laughs> you can find it here. Um, <laughs> let me make sure I'm quoting that right. But I'll look at it just a second. <laughs> okay. But basically it's the verse that says that, uh, no, I, I, I was, I was wrong. Uh, but anyway, oh, it's 223. Oh, okay. uh, Nephi 2.23 says that we're saved by grace. It's by grace that we're saved after all we can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I've heard I, that before. 
yeah, that's problematic. And but but essentially, that is what. Um, now I know I want to be I want to be charitable. I, I count these, you know, people as brothers and sisters and Christ, not Mormons. Okay, I was going to say, good thing. You- <laughs> yeah, let me clarify that. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about people who would call themselves synergists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not saying that embracing synergism immediately cast you out of the kingdom. I'm not saying that. I do think it's important. I do think it's a serious error, but they are essentially saying that, you know, God's grace is enough after all you can do. So God's grace comes to you and then you decide how you want to deal with that. Yes, no, maybe, I don't know. And then, uh, and, and, and then that's the determining. So that's synergism. Monergism. Like sometimes it's, it's almost like the reverse though, of what the Mormons would say. Not, not grace is all that it comes after all I can do, but it's grace gets me up to where I can do the rest. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's a good way to say it. But it's a, but it's in essence, you'd, um, I would say problematic, you know, for the same reason, but yeah, that's right. That's good. That's a good way to put it. But the difference in monergism is saying, you know, that we're, we're spiritually dead. We don't desire the, the ways of God. There's no righteousness in us. There's there's nothing left in us that would even, you know, that could be activated by the grace of God. You know, mm-hmm. what we need is for God to bring us to life. Uh, and so that in that effectual drawing that produces that new heart, uh, that's all God. That's all we're saying in monergism. Like, is it? Uh, yeah, it's First Peter. One three, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That's monogen. Not 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 he worked with us to be born again, but mm-hmm. that he caused us to be born again. This is what Jesus is saying in John three. You know, uh, yeah. it's the it's the um, well. J- this isn't John three, but in John six sixty three, Jesus says it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And of course, in John 3, he's talking about the the, the spirit. The wind blows where it w- uh, will. Yep. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. So there's a little introduction, I guess, to, to monergism. We kind of went around yeah. uh, there, but I, I, hopefully that was helpful. Yeah. No, I like I said, I, I like to bring it back. You know, um, I'm, I'm always trying to get back to my original purpose of the podcast is, is I'm building a library for, for my kids really, you know, when they go off to college and they're, they're challenged on their faith or yeah. they have questions. I say, Hey, I talked to Alan Nelson about this very subject, uh, in episode 184. Just go listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard others talk about, you know, the, the responsibility of man and th- th- that, uh, men are able to give a response to the gospel. And so mm-hmm. let me just say that unequivocally. Absolutely. Yes. Men absolutely. And women and boys and girls absolutely can give a response to the gospel of their own volition of their own. Uh, if you want to say free will, as long as we kind of qualify that a little bit, but meaning they're not coerced to make this decision, yeah. the, but the decision they make to the gospel, to the preaching of the gospel, apart from the effectual sovereign sufficient grace of God, the response that they give of their own volition is always rejection. Right. And so that's what that's, you know, yeah, it's important to say that. Cause I think, 
when we get into discussions with our synergistic friends, that's, that's the big hang up is, well, well, what about, you know, they kind of assume that we're saying that if you, if you call out to God, but you're not regenerate, he'll say, no, sorry, you're not mine. Yeah. But that's not what we're saying. And that's not monergism. Yeah. Monergism says you will not call out to God. You hate God. You reject God. And if there's anything in you to the contrary, it's only because he has put it in you Yeah, and that he's drawing you. Amen. So uh, two, two other aspects of it is, and this really hits home. I'm not sure about where you're at, but it really hits home around here. And that is the totality of regeneration. Meaning what happens, um, and I don't have the quote right here in front of me, but some have said, you know, it touches every every aspect that total depravity has touched, regeneration touches. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's a great way to, yeah, to your, look your, at it. Your, your desires, your will, your mind, uh, regeneration is a total change. Now, it's not, you don't move from a state of, rebellion to a state of perfection right Mm -hmm. but you do move from a state of rebellion to a state of desire and love for christ amen yeah well said so you've been talking about chapter three of your book and that's you said family history that's really what it is that antonacene augustine versus pelagius arminius versus wesley or well, it's not versus Arminius and Wesley. Yeah. They yeah. were in agreement. Pre- prevenient grace. You talked about yeah. prevenient grace. Yeah. That's, um, we didn't really talk about prevenient grace. Well, we, didn't, we didn't use the word anyway. I, I think I might've mentioned it, but I didn't really give a definition. Basically uh, it just means that grace comes in and there's this idea that it gives, this is probably the default state of most evangelicals. You know, mm-hmm. it comes in and it, and it gives you the opportunity. Okay, so now you're going to say yes or no. Um, but it that doesn't theologically or biblically really satisfy the problems that it. So, for example, let's well, let's just take me and you. Okay, I, you're in this. You're going to be elect, Andy, and I'm going to be the unelect. But okay, why oh, the prevenient grace comes to you? Yeah, and and you say yes. Well, okay, and it comes to me. And I say no. Well, the question now is, well, why did you say yes, Sandy? And why did I say, is it because you're from Minnesota and I'm just a country bumpkin from Arkansas? Is it, are you a little smarter? Are you a little more like, why did you say yes? And I said no. And see, ultimately, it's ultimately you're back to that position. Well, the grace of God saved Andy uh, after he was willing to say yes or what you see what I'm saying. So yeah, well, yeah, it's definitely problematic. It raises more problems than it solves. Yeah. Um, And then you like one, one angle of why it's a problem is that now you're saying that God's grace is insufficient. Like that's right. That God can have the grace, but it's not going to end up with you saved in the end. It's grace plus Andy's yes equals salvation, you know. But then the Arminian would say, uh, and this is where, you know, I didn't quite understand the discussion when I was young in the faith. 
they would say, well, God knew, like he looked down through the corridors of time and he saw that at the end you said yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where, that's why and how he saved you. Yeah. He's, he's saving his grace is great. Cause he knew that it would like his yeah. knowledge of the future. Yeah. But even that it doesn't, that's, that's knowledge, but it's not power. Yeah, that's right. And, and it, and in that sense, you have God learning something, you know, yeah, <laughs> which is a big problem. Um, and then you have, uh, again, it, it just, all it does is remove the, the, the temporal aspect to a back further. You know, why did God see, you know, why did God see that you would, you know, it's like, it doesn't, yeah. it just kicks the can down the road. What the noblest desires, let's go ahead and lay, lay this on the table. The noblest desires of those who reject monergism is that they want to defend the justice of God. They want to defend his quote unquote fairness and those things. And, and we should be charitable and those things are commendable. Praise God that you want to defend God. But, but you see, you're not actually defending him. You're, you're not, you're creating strange scenarios and you're just, you're just, misplay you know if you say well in time andy says yes oh well, well now i'm just going to kick that back to before time god knows andy will say yes like you're not answering yeah. the question that you that you have a problem with yeah then that's how you end up like when you logically understand what you're doing you end up either correcting the mistake which is what you and i did or you end up moving more towards an open theist exactly Exactly. Yeah, that's right. This is, this is, uh, to hold this consistently is what we want to do. And because it's, it's, it's the scriptural truth and, and we don't need to defend God from our accusations of fair or what's not fair or whatever. Mm-hmm. We, we, we put it, you know, the quote at the beginning of the book, well, I have it right here is to be saved by grace supposeth that God hath taken the salvation of our souls into his own hand. And to be sure it is safer in God's hand than ours, John Bunyan. And that's what we're, that's all we're saying. Salvation yeah. is Jonah two nine of the Lord. And we can rest it in him. And we know, as Abraham said, the judge of all the earth will do right. Amen. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up fair or not fair. Because I think the only reasonable way to approach that is to recognize it's not it, it's not fair, but we don't want it to be fair. Yeah. Because the fair. only thing that's fair would be for every last one of us to be condemned. Yeah. I ask people sometimes, and I'm intentionally trying to trick them, and they say, I say to them, "Does God owe you anything?" Well, they're quick usually to say, no, God owes me nothing. It's all, you know, it's everything I have is grace. And I say, well, actually that's not correct. God does owe you something. And they're like, what, what? Like he owes you his justice. He owes you the lake of fire. That's all that God owes you His wrath. And then that kind of sets in to think, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Fair. As you say, brother is, 
getting what you deserve. And what we deserve is God's eternal wrath. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And I brought up open theism. Um, that's episode one. That was the first one I ever did. Wow. Talked about open theism. A lot of problems. I mean, that was, you know, that was, uh, 2008. That was, was that 17 years ago? 15, 15 years ago. Yeah. So, uh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm worth going back and listening again. Cause, uh, that that's a big heavy doctrine and it's, it, it sticks around. Yeah. I think yeah. it sticks around because like I said, it's, it's, it's the logical way to go when you start seeing the problems with synergism. Well, our, our soteriology, which is just means doctrine of salvation. It must begin with the scriptures and work out from there. Usually where people mess up is when they begin to start with, say their family or their own thoughts or their emotions. Mm -hmm. And then they try to work back to the scriptures. It's like, no, we have to lay though, open the book and we start with what God has said. And then we, we move from there to application. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Cause, uh, I think that, that, that is a natural place for us to go. We talk about when you're looking at fairness, you're, you're, th you're, you're, you love the people around you. You, you know, my mom's not saved or my grandma's not saved or my, my sister's not saved, you know, and that rips us to the core that we, we love this person. We want them to be saved. And so the answer isn't to like come up with some weird gossip, weird uh, doctrine to get God out of the box or to get him out of trouble. Off the hook. The yeah. answer is, We'll preach the gospel to your sister or your mom or your grandma or your, your dad or whoever it is that's not saved. If And if they become a Christian, it's all by the sheer grace of God. Mm -hmm. If they don't, it's because God has given them up to their own sinful rejection. He hasn't, you know, said, well, you know, I just... Man, you you're you're really repentant, but I'm sorry. I just you're just not on the list. No, it's it's here's the here's the mercy of Christ. Here's the Lord Jesus. You are a wretched, poor, miserable sinner, and He is gracious and will receive the vilest of sinners who come to Him by faith. Mm -hmm. But you won't. You you won't. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you would not, you know, and, and that's the similar situation. So, um, it's, it's not that sinners don't respond to the gospel. It's that they always respond negatively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then just to like be like, if you want to try to get God off the hook, which uh, then the biblical way to do it is point to Jesus words where he says, all who call on my name will be saved. Yeah. Like, and, and if you like, I, I cherish that verse because, um, if I ever have a crisis of faith, you know, I start wondering, am I saved? Well, call on the name of the Lord because all who call on his name will be saved, you know? And, um, there's, there's a lot of monergism in that command, you know, or that statement that, yeah. that, that, it, it shows not that we're going to be saved because we call on his name, but we call on his name because we've been saved. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Amen. God's uh, got call, call upon the name of the Lord. Right. So mm -hmm. what must I be? What, what must I do to be saved? Repent and believe the gospel. And just to say, you know, Andy, we've been focused more on this and this maybe later in the conversation, really. But I'll just go ahead and mention it here. But like we've been focused more and more at our church of of making sure we're taking the gospel to the streets, knocking on doors in our little town, preaching at our local grocery store and gas station, um, because we really believe that God desires to save sinners. Mm -hmm. And we really believe that those who repent and believe the gospel will be saved. And so all this goes together, brother. Yeah. How big is Perryville? It depends. If you're coming in on the, let's see, if you're coming in on the, east side of town there are 1373 <laughs> okay if you're coming in on the west side of town there's like 1528 or something <laughs> okay so they didn't change the sign after so one of the signs one of the signs is wrong i i don't really know which sign oh. it is okay but we're looking at somewhere around 1400 people is that yeah may i should split the difference 1400 people <laughs> okay. yeah yeah all right yeah and i'm just curious because you, you talk about your little town and I live in a suburb that's like 70,000. Just the suburb is like 70,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're there's smaller towns than Perryville, but but um we're we're a pretty pretty yeah. small area. Well, God bless you for for being so gospel-minded and want to preach among your community. Well, we have this belief that God must love our town because he put a church here. <laughs> and uh and and that uh, Jesus says, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, mm -hmm. for they shall receive mercy. Now, there's a lots of application there, but is not one application. The most merciful thing that we can do as a church is to make sure that our community understands that God is willing to forgive them if they will trust his son who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for their sins, rose again from the dead. If they will repent of their sins and put their faith in that message, God will save. And so we're not being very merciful if we keep that message to ourselves. And we've had to repent. I've had to repent. I need to be more evangelistic, but it's something I think uh, that's really driving us right now. Yeah, me too. Um, as far as the repentance goes, me too. Yeah. But this also is a very much a logical uh, consequence of the very doctrine that we're discussing tonight. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I, I want to admit, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that. I, I do want to mention, so I kind of mentioned this earlier in the show and I'll come back to it, but like what we want to understand is that since regeneration is a work of God, it, it really does affect us. Like, Again, it doesn't move us into a state of perfection, but we do. We enjoy preaching, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not saying if you ever, if you ever get bored in a ser service that you're not saved. But what I'm saying is like, there's a difference between the unregenerate person. It's why churches are saying, okay, let's let's shorten the sermons. Let's have Zip more. And... <laughs> yeah, let's have more uh, theatrics and all the yeah. weird stuff you see. Well, why are church? Okay, churches are doing that because they're filled with so many unregenerate people. Yeah. They have no taste for heavenly things. They don't want the word of God. You know what I call those churches? I call them goat herder churches. 
Yeah. That's we've got the sheep and the goats and they're herding goats. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's shameful. And what they're doing is a mm-hmm. reproach. Uh, and what they're doing is a direct misunderstanding of this here, because our goal is not to herd goats in, in on Sunday mornings. Our goal or, you know, our main worship gathering, we're adoring Christ. And so we feed the sheep what the sheep want, because now they have this total overhaul. Mm-hmm. They want the things of God. They want the things of, let me hear the word. Let me hear the areas I need to change. Let me hear again, this wonderful story of Christ and his redemption. Let me sing these great truths. Let me give of my, my, my financial contributions. Let me partake of the Lord's supper. All these things is what the regenerate love to do because it's a, it's a total overhaul. So we got a lot of people in our area anyway, who say we've been born again, but there's no real evidence of this total change mm-hmm. that, that happens because of regeneration. Yeah. I'm just kind of, so what I did was uh, yesterday, I, I kind of walked through and I uh, made a little outline of your book. Okay. It's based on, uh, you got three sections, 13 yeah. chapters, and then uh, the little section headings within each chapter. And we're, we're kind of bouncing around. I think we've been in chapter three and four a little bit, um, talking about the family history and what it means yeah. to be regenerated. And and then uh, you get into natural man and necessity of regeneration. Yeah. Yeah, we just... We've kind of know, talked a little bit about it, but... Yeah, I touched a little bit, but... Basically, what we're saying is just in and of ourselves, the reform doctrine is called total depravity, but we're just saying in and of ourselves, Ephesians 2, we're dead yep. in, in our trespasses and sins. And so that's why that's why regeneration is a necessity. I mean, if you don't believe in total depravity, then what Jesus says, it, it almost, it almost just doesn't even make sense, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why Nicodemus show like, you must be born again. Like what, you know? And you think, well, okay, Hitler, he needed to be born again. And, and, and maybe like a, a prostitute or a, or a drug dealer or, you know, a, a mass murder. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. They need a change of heart. But for the most of us, deep down, we're, we're good, you know? That, that's the common belief. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to work through in those two chapters is just say, that's not what the scriptures say. Um, y- you need to be born again because there's a deadness in your heart when it comes to the things of God. You're going to choose the God of self, idolatry, the gods of this world, the flesh, you know, lust, pride covetousness you'll choose all these things and you do choose all these things over god yeah yeah now you mentioned uh total depravity and i want to suss that one out a little bit sure like there are misconceptions but about what that means but what does what does it really mean to to be totally depraved well we'll set this alongside regeneration in the sense that regeneration touches everything our mind, our heart, our will, our affections. And when we say total depravity, we mean the same thing, that sin has touched everything. Totally. 
not that every person is as totally sinful as they could be. Yeah. But that in total, our total self has been affected by the fall of man and by sin. Well, you said touches, and that's the key there is sin touches every aspect of our being. If, if it consumed every aspect of our being, we would say, we would say utter depravity rather than total depravity. Yeah. There's been wonderful contributors to human society, even human flourishing Mm -hmm. who never became a Christian. Whether you talk about the arts or technology or medical field or science, there's been people that have come along in human history who never were converted. By, by the way, Christians were huge contributors too. But I'm just saying there are people in the history of mankind who weren't converted but were able to contribute some meaningful you know, help. And that's because they were totally depraved, but not utterly depraved, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, you get and, into and, common grace and yeah, yeah, that's right. So the, the point is though, that Jesus says you must. And by the way, when he says you must to Nicodemus, if I were going to translate that in the Arkansas vernacular, <laughs> it would be y'all must. Because the point, the you in the Greek is plural. He, he, in other words, he's not just talking to Nicodemus. In a sense, he's talking to Nicodemus and past Nicodemus mm-hmm. so that we understand when he says you must be born again. He's not just saying, oh, yeah, you, Nicodemus, need to be born again. He's yeah. saying all of humanity must. There's a necessity there if we hope to have eternal life be born again. And if we could achieve, here's the point. If we could achieve that ourselves, then why say you must be born again? Like that's just something I can do. Then that doesn't really sound like much of a necessity. Yeah, I'll just go do it. But, but the very way that Jesus says that and that John records it for us in his gospel lets us know that this is an absolute necessity and something that I can't, I can't do it myself, mm-hmm. or if I could, I wouldn't need to be born again in the first place. I would just do whatever it is that God tells me to do. I, I like how you brought that Southern uh, vernacular in. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, I do, because it's, you know, we don't use that up here in the North. We don't use the word y'all, yeah. but it's a good word because we lose, I, I mean, personally, I lose sight of the fact all the time that in English, you could be singular or it could be plural, yeah. Yeah. you know, and having studied, I did, you know, French in high school and, you know, just a touch of Spanish and um, I just a smidge of Greek on my own. I was, you know, that's where Echo Zoe came from was I grabbed a book that, you know, teachers, I think it's over here somewhere. Yeah. Teach yourself New Testament Greek and. And uh, so just a smidgen, you know, learning that other languages have different words for singular versus plural. And so, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I look at you, you guys down in the South, y'all down in the South. And I think maybe we should adapt that word because it, it, it does demonstrate that the, the word can have a broad meaning and, and yeah. that you see that in the Greek that Jesus is, is talking plural, that you, you plural need to be yeah. born again. Yep, and the King James 
only people are listening and saying, see, that's why I need to stay with the King James. <laughs> but there is a there is something to be said about that. I wish we could. I wish in our modern and just in our modern, it'd be way too hokey to translate you as y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in our modern vernacular, we just we don't we, we just use the word you singular and plural. And that's OK. But when you're studying the scriptures, you need to know sometimes whether or not it is singular or plural. Now, remind me, it's been so long since I've read King James. Is the plural the ye or is it thou? Uh, I think I think thou is singular and ye is okay. plural. Yeah. Ye is y'all and thou yeah, is you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, that's right. That would make sense. Uh, yeah. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And ye must be born again. Okay. Is, yeah, so. All right. Well, what's next? Well, uh, the, the next thing in from probably most of your listeners, not a big deal, but I did want to deal with it in the book, and that is the longevity. So chapter uh, eight mm-hmm. of, of regeneration. So we've kind of walked through the necessity, the sovereignty. We talked about monergism. The totality affects all of us. New taste, you know. Uh, I've used different illustrations, but you've got kids, Andy. I've got kids, you know you put the spinach in front of your kids and you say, eat this. You might be able to force them to eat it. But if you put it, put it in front of them and say, love this. Well, they can't do that. You know, they can't love. It's well, you, you know, the old joke, what's the difference between boogers and broccoli? I don't know. One kids, will eat kids don't one. eat broccoli. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so it's like, you can get them to eat one, but not the other. Well, that's what we're talking about, regeneration. If you put, you know, a buzzard, uh, if you put in front of a buzzard a, a rancid possum, been dead three days, or or a, a freshly made, beautiful Caesar salad, they're going to ch- eat the possum. Right? That's their nature. So we're talking about the totality. It, it changes us. We go from hating spinach to loving it, to consuming our lives on the rancid dead possum to now loving and eating and consuming the the salad we we still have to fight you know sanctification was still our our nature's new but we're not we're not out of the woods as it were we still fight the old man but uh we're we're really new and then the and then so that's lead into chapter eight the longevity meaning there's no such thing as regeneration that turns into unregeneration Mm. there are well you know, I, there are certain groups out there, denominational um, positions, where say a child can be regenerate with the uh, baptism, but then when they get older, they can walk away. They can walk away from that regeneration. And I'm just trying to defend that regeneration is a permanent change. There's no person that's ever been born again who doesn't make it to heaven, and because it because it's all God's work. You see what happens if you if you make it God and you. Maybe you can walk away from it, mm-hmm. but if it's all God, like the scriptures teach us, then God He finishes uh, what He starts. That's right. Yeah, I work, and who can turn it back? Yeah, yeah. that's from Isaiah, but I can't remember the reference. <laughs> Forty three thirteen or something. But. I could be wrong on that. <laughs> I'll write it down and look it up. Isaiah, you say forty three thirteen. 
that's that's my stab at it okay well i'll i'll uh i'll have in the show notes the the scriptures that we refer to i usually do that with uh the show notes and if forty three thirteen is wrong it won't be in the show notes the correct one will be in the show notes it's right i just looked it up i work ah. who can turn it back so there we are well good on you good job so and we kind of you you know you you talked about um what you've talked about in the book and you skipped a little bit, but that's good. Cause I want people to feel like they're going to get something out of reading the book. Yeah. <laughs> so why does regeneration matter? Yeah, this is where I really try to, you know, there's books out there on regeneration, theologians, better theologians than me. Um, you know, Andy, this is one of those books. I think that it could be helpful uh, to the scholar and the seminary student, but also helpful to the person in the pew. You know, we have to deal, when you're talking about theology, deal with these technical things, but also try to write it in such a way that to, people can lay hold of it. And I really try to connect here this, you know, the, one of the hearts of the book is is down here in this third section. Okay, why, so what, you know? you guys just want to fight over doctrine and theology. Does it even matter why, uh, what we believe about this? And my argument of course is yes, it matters. You know, for, first of all, it matters because the Bible is God's word. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is really, and this is kind of a blanket statement, but anything we get wrong from the Bible is, is, uh, it's, I, I don't, I don't, you, we, we're all wrong about doctrine at times. We've all, you know, whether you're eschatology, you know, whatever. Um, I think R.C. Sproul was wrong on baptism. I know he loved the Bible, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to be careful here, but what I'm saying is when we get a doctrine wrong, then it is at least a part of an attack on the scriptures. We, we want to get doctrine right because we love the Bible. And so this yeah. is a word. So, so for someone to just say, well, I don't care. That would be in a, you know, men like RC Sproul, they wouldn't have ever said that, but people who say, well, I don't care. Well, well, what you're saying is the Bible doesn't matter and how God has communicated it to us doesn't matter. So take up the scriptures and read because it matters what God has told his church about sound doctrine. And specifically on this, we're not talking about baptism. We're talking about, regeneration it it matters i never really understand the attitude to be honest because yeah. when you think about it like no i mean i i like i agree with you like you don't have to be right i, I mean and we're not always going to be right but to not care that's the thing i don't understand like um because people get in everybody gets into something you know if you maybe maybe you're into baseball you yeah. know and, it, and you're so into baseball, you know every stat for every player in the major leagues. You know, I can throw out a name. No, I couldn't do it. I couldn't name you one. I honestly, I couldn't name you one player in major league baseball. <laughs> but, you know, if if I throw out a name and you're able to give me his, his uh, you know, RBI and his uh, hitting at batting average and how many wins he's had and uh, last time he had an injury and, you know, you, know, you cared about it to, to learn all that stuff. Yeah. So if we as Christians care about the Lord, 
as part of our regeneration, why would we not care about the doctrines that he gives us that relate to that regeneration or that faith that he's given us? Yeah. Care enough that, okay, you could be wrong, but you at least want to be right. Yeah, that's right. It's like, that's a good, good way to say it, brother. We, we, we approach it or we should approach it humbly uh, and, and, and reverently and understanding that um, there are things good men in church history and women have disagreed on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we don't use it as an excuse. It's kind of like the person that says, well, nobody's perfect. So I'm just going to go get drunk tonight. You know, you're like, what? You know, it's like, I want to know because I've been born. Like, I want to know what the Bible says. And the Bible speaks a trustworthy word on the doctrine of regeneration. Mm -hmm. And, And by the way, I would say this, this is where the reform, like, this is an area of like, <laughs> we're, we're in agreement, you know, like we, we disagree, you know, we have the fights about eschatology and we have the fights about, you know, covenant theology, dispensationalism. We have the fights about baptism, but here's some warm agreement, hearty agreement. And, uh, and we need to believe that the Bible speaks an important and sufficient word on this great doctrine of regeneration. Yeah. Well, I like how you walk through all those different doctrinal differences that we have because they just the differences illustrate that they're largely held by people who care. Yeah. I mean, you, and you described doctrinal differences that I think we would agree don't divide us as far as like, are, are you my brother? Or are you saved sure. and yeah. I yeah. condemned? You know, that... R.C. Sproul being a perfect example, love the brother, but I'm I'm with you on baptism. I disagree yeah. with him on that. Or um, there's a few other things he had, but man, he was an awesome theologian. Man, and I've the, learned and benefited from him. Yeah, amen. and the fact that there's differences shows that not only that, I mean, he he had a, a career that demonstrates how much he cared about getting uh, learning theology. Yeah. And the fact that we have differences says that we want to learn theology and mm-hmm. it's that process of learning that we come to those differences and hopefully eventually we work them out. And, and some of us will come to where we, there aren't any differences in the, in the end, but that's kind of a, it's a sanctification like issue where that's just part of life. You're going to work through that your whole life. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So. Well, the second we move, uh, second thing is talking about the Holy Spirit. So, why does regenerate? Why do we understand regeneration rightly? Why does that matter? Mm-hmm. And that's and the second thing is because the Holy Spirit is God. And and really, my argument here, Andy, is that if you, I, I think ninety nine percent of Christians will agree the Father doesn't need help in saving you. The Son doesn't need help. What'd you do on the cross? Nothing except as Edward says, contribute your sin. Yeah. So if the father doesn't need help in saving you and the son doesn't need help or in electing you, choosing you, if the son doesn't need help in dying on the cross for your sins, then why does the Holy Spirit need your help? You know, it's, it's a, a belittling of his glory to pretend as though the Holy Spirit is not able to, bring about your regeneration further that he halfway saves people, you know, that like, well, I'm a Christian, but I love, well, we talk about big topics, you know, I'm a Christian, but I still love homosexuality. I'm a Christian, but I still love adultery. I'm a Christian, but I still love 
drunkenness. Okay, well, what are you saying about the Holy Spirit? Like, a Holy, Holy Spirit's not God enough to produce in you the desired results of regeneration. So, so to, so to, to, I'm not saying synergists deny the Trinity. I'm not saying synergists um, deny the Holy Spirit, but I am saying there's a logical progression there that if you, if you deny the Spirit's sovereign work in regeneration, it leads you on a, on a dangerous road. And so he, he brings about our change monergistically and he brings about a total change and he keeps us till the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well and, said. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah. And I like how you're showing, uh, I mean, it was just inevitable, but you're showing how this touches so many other doctrines. I mean, you bring yeah. in the Trinity itself, like that's a pretty big doctrine. Sure. That's right. Put that bullseye, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing is that, and, and this will, so the first two are probably pretty, pretty well on the same page with some of our other ref, uh, reformed Calvinistic brethren. But, but this moves us a little bit away from that because we believe that the local church is for believers. And so what, what's going on here then in the doctrine of regeneration is we move from soteriology to ecclesiology, but we need to understand these are very closely connected. And that the local church is, is not, the design of the local church is not to be made up of regenerate and unregenerate, but the local church is for those who have been born again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah I, and that's a whole chapter you, you talk about that. Yeah. The local yeah. church, uh, church's authority. Yeah. How to know if you're a Christian. Let's talk about yeah. that one for a minute. How do you know if you're a Christian? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, you talked about it. You talked about, I don't know if you know this or not, but what you talked about earlier is kind of like a logical argument that the Puritans use. Okay. So I haven't read the Puritans much, but I know I should. But I yeah. haven't. So. Well, you used one of their logical arguments. Basically, premise A, you take a promise of God, for example. Mm-hmm. Premise A, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Premise B, I call upon the name of the Lord. So conclusion, I'm I am a Christian, right? Yeah. And, and and that's what they use, not just with that, but other promises of God. Yeah. To think I think that uh, I don't read the pure... I, I haven't gotten around to reading the Puritans. I told yeah. you, I was telling you before we started that it took me a few weeks to read your book because I was, I just I have a hard time making time to read. I was reading at uh, kids' tennis lessons and karate lessons and whatnot. But, uh, but I think where that comes from then is just I I very much enjoy and have for years enjoy logic, like yeah, uh, premises and conclusions and whatnot, and and logic being what it is that uh, if I'm working through it and the Puritans work through it, we're going to come to similar conclusions. Yeah. Amen. So Puritan Andy cool. right here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, and really, I mean, that lays great. Like, how do I know if I'm Christian? The, the church is responsible to help us with that. That's one of the reasons we need the church. And that's one of the reasons the church ought to be made up of believers. But, you know, as you look through, okay, this is what regenerate people do. Mm-hmm. And I know that, 
I know that you can spiral down into morbid introspection. I understand that. But these basic principles like the regenerate love the Bible. They 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 love the church. I mean, this is John's work in First John. We yeah. know that we've passed from death to life because yep. we love the brothers. First yep. John three fourteen. Yeah, first I, I've always loved First John for, for that whole. You said First John. Did you say that was three? That was three fourteen. Three fourteen. I've always loved First John because of that because I, I I've just been for many years drawn back to that. How do we know we're saved? Yeah. And not necessarily that I've had huge crisis of faith, but um, I think it's always been a desire to help those who do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any of your, so, so vote, so first John, you know, reading first John, uh, like you said, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but as long as we're on first John, you know, and that years ago, I started trying to do there's something that John MacArthur recommended years ago. Yeah. That I had heard. I mean, he, many years before I had heard it, but it was years ago that I'd heard it. And it was um, to help understand scripture and to kind of start memorizing scripture is his recommendation was to take a, a book or a passage. And it, first John was recommended because it was a right, it was a good size yeah, and read through it, but don't just read through it, read through it every day for a month. Read that whole book, First John, every day for a month, and I did mm-hmm. that one with First John, and that's kind of why. Also, I've I've kind of had an extra love for it is, um, and it's it's probably been ten or more years since I did that, so I, I've kind of lost some of it. But uh, it's amazing how well that kind of starts getting to where you're almost memorizing the whole book because by the time you've read it thirty times, you're going to remember <laughs> an awful yeah. lot of it. Yeah, that's right. I think that's good. I think that's good for your listeners um, to consider. And um, I, I, I recommended that to a brother not long ago. It wasn't First John; it was for, uh, First Timothy. But mm-hmm. but yeah, take a take a shorter book like that. First John has five chapters. You yeah. can easily read that. I mean, it'd be very simple to read it once during the week, but you really could read it at least probably twice for even a slow reader during the week, just a couple chapters a day. And Oh no, I was reading the whole book every day for the month. That was the goal. That's yeah. When you get a bigger book, you know, you can't do that. You, I mean, if you want to do that with a whole Bible, you're not going to do that with like say Isaiah, you know, but you can break it into chunks and you can do, you know, five or six verses at a time, you know, um, or sorry, chapters, not verses. Well, you begin to learn, what where what the book's about where yeah, to yeah. go to certain places of the book yeah yeah you. exactly yeah well uh you know another thing about assurance of salvation i would say is is um if you if you have a, this is a serious thing you know if you have a listener struggling with that first and foremost look to christ mm-hmm. you know we kind of mentioned that but but look to jesus don't start with self start looking outward to christ you know yeah um, exactly center your life around the local church because it's in the local church that you're going to have brothers and sisters who are going to be you know coming alongside you helping you sitting under sound preaching and uh and then also i, I would say whatever's in your life okay so, so so you have um 
say you have a young lady or young man, they're like, well, I'm struggling with assurance of salvation. You find out, oh, they're, they're sleeping, you know, with their fiance or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, like, look, flee all known sin. You know, anything that's going on in your life right now that you're rebelling against God, maybe you don't have assurance of salvation, A, because God's taken that away in his kindness. Because the worst, the worst thing is not to ha- lack assurance of salvation. I think the worst thing for a person is to be falsely assured yeah. and just, you know, live their life. So maybe God's taking away your assurance of salvation so you repent, or maybe you're actually not a Christian because you're just going on. And so forsake, flee all known sin, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's why the local church is to be made up of regenerate people and why it's so important that our lives are plugged in and, and centered around uh, the local church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, I got a little over an hour on our timer here and um, (laughs) I want to leave a little bit more for people that uh, would actually want to read the book. Sure. And um, I told you I was going to think about um, your offer that you gave me before we started. And you kind of mentioned towards the beginning, um, you'd offer to give away a copy of the book Sure. and asked me to come up with a way to do that. And, um, I think what we'll do is if you go to at echo Zoe on Twitter and you find the tweet for this episode and, um, I'd ask you to retweet it and comment on it or, or you could put them together and do a comment tweet, you know, like a quote tweet. And so share the show and I will randomly pick somebody who does that and send your address there i'll send their address to you and and uh and get a copy of the book yeah let's let's uh let's do two let's do two two books oh awesome all right so you heard the man so two books up for grabs um just either quote tweet or retweet and comment on the echo zoe post for this episode it'd be easiest on me if if they're both from the same household (laughs) i just sent him to one address no i'm just just teasing well i was tempted to say that um some random guy named andy olson won um yeah because uh because i just got a pdf copy of the book (laughs) book. yeah no it's it's good bro send me your address i'll I'll get Uh, you one cool um yeah thanks is there anything else you want to touch on before we go i don't want to leave just just leave things hanging anything else you want to touch on you know, I, I talked about the ordinances um, in, in the book, and so we'll leave that for the reader. I, yeah. I do just want to mention this, you know, again, I, I end the book talking about evangelism, and we've already talked about this. There's something on yeah. my heart right now. I've I've not been a great evangelist in, in my life. I've failed. I've been influenced. Um, my brother, one of the brothers you had on your show not long ago, uh, Michael Coughlin. Yeah, that's um, Michael. And, and brothers like that, brothers here at my church. Mm-hmm. But if you really understand this doctrine of regeneration, it will fuel your evangelism. Mm-hmm. I think this is why Calvinists have been some of the greatest evangelists. And even yeah. today, some of the greatest evangelists I know are Calvinists. And I think this is the reason why I'm going forward, not with the maybe of success, but the guarantee of success. Yeah. When the, when the gospels preach, Christ will be exalted and God is going to use the message however he wants for his glory. Yeah. Amen. Including, I believe, as he told Paul, I have many in this 
city who I'll call to myself, you know, or, or her call, but I don't remember how to phrase it. But anyway, I believe that about Perryville. We're a town of, we don't know how many. We 1,400 have roughly. Plus we don't have enough. <laughs> in Arkansas, you have to take off your feet, the shoes to count. I think that's the problem. There's not too many people for a number of toes. So it just, we just made it up. But <laughs> okay. I, be- I believe in the, in this city of 1,400 people that God is willing to save. Yeah. So we go and we preach, you know. Well, I'll confess that I'm I'm as bad as anyone when it comes to evangelism, also, and uh, but I have a deep love for those who do it and do it uh, and overcome what I have yet to overcome to to do it consistently and often. Yeah. So, well, Christ is worthy of sound doctrine. Christ is worthy of us proclaiming His name, yeah. and Christ is worthy of of healthy churches. So, to Him be the glory. Amen. Um, so we talked about the book giveaway. I also want to talk about your ministry before we close. So sure. why don't you just tell the world about anything to do with ministry that you want to share? Well, you, you mentioned podcast before yeah, we as started. As far as ministry wise, the thing I, I, I don't want to use the word proud. The thing I'm most committed to in love is the fact that God has called me to, to pastor. Now, if, if you're counting my family's my ministry, Absolutely. That goes above and beyond any sort of vocational ministry I could have. Mm-hmm. I'm blessed with my wife and uh, five children who are outside the womb, one inside the womb uh, at the time of this recording. And so she's due in October. And uh, I'm so privileged and, you know, sheer grace of God to be a husband and father. But as far as ministry, podcast, writing, getting to preach places. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, but where, where can we find those things? Yeah. But what I'm saying is I just want to be clear above all. Yeah. I'm humbled to pastor a local church. Awesome. And, and that's Providence Baptist church, Providence Baptist, ar.com is our website and you can find our sermons and stuff there. Uh, the podcast I do is with another local church pastor. Uh, and it's, um, uh, the rural church podcast 2.0. Okay. Uh, because we, we did it for a while and it just fell through, but now we're going, we've been going over a year now, uh-huh. uh, rule, the rule church podcast 2.0. I don't know how you find that. I guess I don't Spotify well, podcast. Yeah. Know, these days I, I'm finding, I use dog catcher on, on a- Android. Yeah. And which is a, you know, it's an, it's, it's kind of obscure in a way, but yeah. I find even with this obscure app that i use i can just do a search and it'll it it finds them so so yeah that's the rural church podcast 2.0 um i have opportunities to speak every now and then i don't really know of anything that's coming up off top my head to mention but uh yeah that's i'm just rural church guy Mm -hmm. here in little arkansas and i'm grateful for the opportunity to be an ambassador for the king and to preach his glory and um, love my family to shepherd them and to shepherd the local church here. Our local church, I was telling you before the show, I, I just simply can't get into all that. It'd take another hour. Yeah. But I'll just mention our church has experienced some, some blessings of God, some reformation, and we've got another elder with us now. And I just, I want to encourage any listener, you know, struggling with the local church, just stay with it. The local church is so important. And, um, Christ is worthy to, to have healthy churches. Yeah. Praise God. Soli Deo Gloria. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Alan. And, uh, 
Are you working on anything else? Any new books coming down the pipe? Well, if I say that, my wife will get me, but I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> There's hope some so. thoughts, okay. but not really coalesced in anything tangible yet, but I have some some thoughts. Cool. Well, I've enjoyed having, I think this is number four with you. I've enjoyed all these episodes we've done, and I you know, look forward someday to having you back for the next uh, doctrinal discussion. Amen. Likewise, so, brother. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Thanks. Christian Podcast Community is a cohesive group of like-minded podcasters proclaiming the truths of Christ with expertise and passion in the areas of theology, church history, Christian living, evangelism, apologetics, parenting, homeschooling, sermons, much, much more. So check us out at christianpodcastcommunity.org. One stop for all your favorite Christian podcasts. christianpodcastcommunity.org Well, that wraps up episode 184. Thanks for listening. Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the September episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 